You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 247 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Val. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm getting a bit excited because I'm going on a road trip, a, a long one. A proper road trip, Val, where you get into a car, yes. pack snacks. <laughs> what, what are your snacks of choice for a road trip? I don't actually like packing snacks. Why? Um... I don't really eat in the car. But it's a road trip. It's places. all about bad food and bad mm, coffee. Yeah, no. No, I, I stop at places and that's where I eat. So I don't really pack snacks. I'll probably pack some water, which I'll forget to drink. So um, the reason why I'm not going to eat is because – so I'm going to start the road trip in Sydney yeah. and um, going to drive to Melbourne where I will be seeing you. So yes. that's a really long way. Yeah. So people, that's, I don't know, like 800 kilometres or something. It's about 10 hours, and, isn't uh, it? 10? 9, uh, 10. Probably. You can, you can do it in, in nine. But I'm going to be stopping in Canberra. So anyway, I'm going to leave Sydney in time to get to Moss Vale for lunch because there's a diner there mm -hmm. that – I'm obsessed with. Why? I love this diner. It's like being it's in happy days. <gasps> so even though it's in this sort of uh, rural area of New South Wales in Australia, it is an American diner and it's got the best hot dogs, the best onion rings, the <gasps> best shakes. Um, I'm just it's such a good diner and it looks like a diner too, you know, with the proper booths and everything. So it's a proper American diner. In this weird tiny little town, how, three hours or two hours south of Sydney. <laughs> how cool! Just as an aside, I went yes. to the diner that uh, Happy Days was based on, and it's a place called Leon's oh. in Detroit, and they're wow. famous for their custard ice cream, which was. I didn't think I would love it as much as I did, but it was heaven. And yeah, that wow. that's what they say that custard. this place. Is where um, Happy Days was based. Okay, cool. Well, I won't be going there. The I'll still be in Australia, but uh, it is like an American diner. So that, I'm not going to eat in the car because I'm going to save myself for the diner. Wow. Because the onion rings are literally, seriously, the best onion rings you've ever had in your whole entire life. And then I'm going to make my way to Canberra, which is our nation's capital. Mm -hmm. So it's our equivalent of Washington, D.C. And. Um, Interestingly, I have never been to Parliament House. I've been to old Parliament House, but not new Parliament House, although it's not new anymore. It was new like 20 years ago. Um, and so I'm keen to go there because lately so many um, television series have been set in Parliament House and I'm obsessed with television. So I'm actually keen. And it's at, from the television series, 
it looks like it's got really nice light. <laughs> yeah, and it's a beautiful building too. Uh, so you're not running for anything or networking with any <laughs> MP. Like it wouldn't surprise me if you just went, oh, I'm actually, you know, in the cabinet for the this party. No? Anything? No, anything? I, I'm not running for any political party. We uh-huh. are having elections in Australia, but no, I'm not running for any political party. So it should be fun just to go there. I'm going to go to the um, National Gallery mm. of Australia and check out the exhibitions there. Mm. Um, my partner wants to go to the War Memorial, which apparently has also got some fantastic exhibition, exhibitions. I will either go there or I'll go to the National Library. After which time we have done, probably had our fill of national things (laughs) and we will then hit the road and head on down to Melbourne to see you. Fantastic. That sounds like fun, the first bit. Yes. And the National Gallery bit as well. What what have you been up to? So I've been working on uh, some tutorials for the gold community. So got one on how I work with grid spots for portrait lighting. So it's really detailed, step by step, with all the thinking that goes on uh, behind Mm. that. And that was actually shot in uh, Sicily. So and I've also uh, working on one on how to nail the right expression and I call this how to make sure there's someone home in the eyes and I take everyone Mm. through my step-by-step technique on doing that and also how to then uh, cull the images uh, after you've done the shoot and I just identify the reasons why this is a keeper and the next image might be a not keeper and what to identify what you're actually looking for in those images to show that there is life in the eyes or as I say someone home in the eyes fantastic all right um and if you're interested in finding out more about the gold community where you can get access to these awesome tutorials from Gina have a listen to this Hey guys, are you an enthusiast or pro photographer who wants to take their photography to the next level? I'd love the opportunity to work with you and I want to introduce you to my Gold Community. The Gold Community is an educational resource where members get access to photography courses and regular tutorials. There's over 200 tutorials with more being added each month. In these tutorials, I take you on set with me and I share my thought process behind scouting locations, posing and directing models, lighting and post-production. You get to see the entire shoot from start to finish, from surface in Sri Lanka using a single speed light to character portraits on the streets of Sicily using daylight or high-end studio shoots where I share all my posing and connecting hacks. There's also regular photo critiques, monthly live calls and heaps more. As a member, you'll also have access to my exclusive Facebook group and online forum where you'll be able to connect with other members from all over the world. So what are you waiting for? Join the Gold community today and start taking the kind of photos you've always dreamed of. You can check it out at ginamilitia.com. All right, so now let's move on to this week's topic, which is how to pitch yourself as a photographer. And you are chatting to our guest, Olivia. 
So this is really cool because it is important to pitch yourself as a photographer and I think it's also really important to talk to photographers from A, all over, all over the world, which we do, and uh, photographers from all sorts of different genres and also photographers at all different levels, particularly when they've got interesting things to offer about specialist topics. So Olivia is an up-and-coming photographer, but she's got some really good tips on how to pitch yourself as a photographer. So tell us about Olivia. Yeah, this was a really interesting interview so like imagine Val if you lived in like a beautiful part of the world but it was incredibly Mm. remote but your dream Mm. was to become a fashion photographer so chances are you'd need to relocate to a major fashion hub because that's where all the uh, uh, fashion companies base themselves somewhere like Paris or New York or Sydney or London. And uh, so that's the exact situation that uh, today's guest, Olivia, found herself in. Uh, she lives in Cornwall. Have you, um, do, do you know of that area? So it's like in the southwest coast of the UK. And, and I've never been to Cornwall, but um, yes, I've built, apparently there's good surfing there. So um, it's it's beautiful. And I know it from shows like Selling um, Selling Houses, the UK version. <laughs> and what's that one where the architect um, follows? Grand pe- Design. Oh, gra- gra- Kevin oh, McLeod. I love oh. that show. Oh, oh, have you got a crush on like- him? He's, it's he's like the thinking woman's. He is gorgeous. You know. Me too. I really, I, I just love that show. And uh, the, often they're, they're building like uh, coastal fronted properties in Cornwall where they, you know, level the property and then they build these beautiful. Pro- so it's very, uh, I really want to go. It's rustic and be- at a beautiful location. But for, for Olivia, there's not a lot of fashion brands based there. Mm. So the clever thing that she's done is Olivia's thought outside the box and uh, she's created a, uh, a, new, a unique business style where she's getting the brands to come to her. So she gets to stay in Cornwall. And for someone who's only been in business um, for five years, uh, she's managed to uh, shoot some uh, campaigns, social media campaigns and the like for some, uh, you know, nice brands. And so in this episode, Olivia shares some of the techniques she uses to pitch herself to these brands and uh, some of the topics covered is like why it's important to pitch. Don't wait for people to come to you. You need to go to them. Uh, And she talks about how she finds the contact information of the relevant people that you need to pitch to because it's pointless just going uh, info at gucci.com and going, oh, hi, I'm a photographer. You know, you need to know the right person (laughs) to talk to, right? Because it's obviously going to go to Jan in accounts (laughs) <laughs> or hang on, if she worked at Gucci, the, the Gianni, Gianni in accounts, it would be, yes, or Gianni. the or the intern who just goes delete, right? Yeah. And then it's important to know what to say in an email, and then more importantly, how to follow up because a lot of first emails get overlooked, and you need to constantly follow up. And then uh, more importantly, how to get over the fear of rejection, which actually stops people from even reaching out in the first place. So uh, lots of great stuff covered in this uh, uh, interview. So shall we have a listen? All right, fantastic. Let's have have a listen to Olivia. Olivia Bossert, welcome to the show. How are you going? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, 
where in the world are you? I've gotten you I'm up. In... I've gotten you out of bed at uh, an ungodly hour. <laughs> today. Yeah, no, it's it's early. It's definitely early. I am in the UK, so I'm in a part of the UK called Cornwall, which is the southwest, very southwestern tip of the country. It's a really beautiful area. So I, I've been living here for about eight and a half years. It is a beautiful area. I would love to go there and check. It's quite rugged, and uh, yeah. so so here's my level of knowledge of Cornwall when I watch. Um, there's a show like one of those reno- no one of those renovation shows where they oh, right. they'll, they'll, they'll uh, find a, an old place and uh, rebuild it. it, it like, mm-hmm. They're often around Cornwall, and I'm like, wow, that looks so. It's rustic and rugged, right? Yeah, it's very, and it's it's actually one of the spots in the UK which has the most sandy beaches, and it's this holiday area of the country, basically. Yeah, it looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And prior to that, where where were you there before that? So I'm actually from Switzerland. I grew up in Geneva until I was 18 and then I moved over to Falmouth where I live now for university and now I work between Cornwall and London. Fantastic. So you've had mm-hmm. a, like a, an interesting upbringing and that's that's a, a, a lovely area to work. So you, you commute as well into to London to shoot? Yeah, I split my time pretty evenly between the two. Fantastic. And how long have you been uh, shooting fashion for? <laughs> so I I started when I was about 15. Um, but like, you know, like most people just started, I discovered um, Flickr, the website Flickr yeah. when I was 15. And um, everyone sort of my age was putting up imagery on that website. And I was just stunned that people my age were doing stuff like that. So I immediately went and found my parents' camera. Um, they had a cheap DSLR and I... Um, I started using that for fun, teaching myself, and then went on to study at university. I actually studied a degree in fashion photography specifically, which was really niche, but um, I've always been drawn to fashion since I was really young and experimented with my outfits and always loved clothes. And I kind of always knew that the industry I wanted to go in when I was really young was fashion, but I didn't know how because I'd never been very good at writing. I didn't really have a passion for designing, when I discovered photography, it all kind of clicked and made sense. So I um, I studied that specifically for three years. And then when I finished my degree, went on to shooting it professionally. All right. So how long has that been going for now? From, from um, I finished, yeah, it's five years ago. Five years. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And so what is what is it that attracted you to fashion photography as opposed to say portrait or interior photography what what is it about fashion that you love um i think it's largely telling stories through the for the images to sell the clothes i absolutely love anything editorial um and then as i've gone through my career and had to start shooting more campaigns and stuff i love just creating something from nothing with clothes that we have to show off and sell but you know telling a story through the clothes I think is is probably what I love the most it's very creative Hmm. um I'm not such a documenter I like I'm not a very good wedding photographer for example like I'm not very good at standing around and and looking at what people are doing and and capturing that I'm very good at at sort of getting a brief and letting my imagination take me somewhere and and shooting what I've imagined and, and how much of the work that you do and the clients that you work with, is it like you're uh, teaming up with the art director and they have a specific brief or is it more of 
well, here's the vibe we want to go with. What mm. do you think? Which, which one of those or, or which it's, is your preferred way to work? It's funny. It's a, it's a mix of both and it completely depends on the brand and, you know, what they want, whether they've got something really specific they have in mind or sometimes I just get told we're going for a summery vibe and then it's completely up to me to come up with ideas and, and shoot around that. And in terms of what I prefer, I don't really have a preference on either. I think as long as the team is working well and we're sort of all gelling and we're working off each other, because it is very much a team effort with mm. fashion, you know, yeah. there's hair involved, there's makeup, there's styling, there's probably the creative director as well. Um, if that team is getting on well then it always flows really nicely so I think that I I like both <laughs> right and, and so what's your what's your go-to uh gear list for when you're doing a fashion shoot is it a lot of sort of on the run um are you doing high volume is so you're saying it more editorial is your style of shooting or, or most of the clients that you're working with or is it are you doing commercial campaigns as well or is it a bit of both? yeah it's it's a bit of both. I shoot a lot of personal work um, for myself, mainly to sort of with clients that I want to attract in mind. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the editorial I shoot is for fun, but also with, you know, a bigger picture in my head. And then when it comes to shooting the campaigns and like what gear list I've got, what gear I've got on me, I, I'm quite a simple shooter. I've, I tend to have lights as a backup, but I, I like to move around a lot and I like to move fast. So mm. I tend to shoot with just natural light just so that I can see something and run to, over to it and, and grab it in the moment rather than have to sort of spend time working on lights. And, and often I find that if I do that, I lose the moment with the models. Yeah. So um, I, I'm a really on the fly shooter with, you know, just a camera and a lens, maybe a couple lenses in a bag so that if I need to change up quickly, I can. Yeah. But tends to, if I'm on location, it does tend to just be my camera that's it and a reflector if I really need it or a diffuser if I need it yeah. um and then the rest of the time in studio yeah I, I love to shoot with big soft boxes and but actually we have a living room in our apartment here that has huge windows so yeah. all my beauty work I shoot with just natural light right beautiful and nice soft yeah. light over there too yeah really soft and uh, and so when you're doing a lot of these shoots, are you finding that the clients wanting more shots uh, in less time these days, or are they giving you the time? You still get the luxury of like, oh, yeah, we need to do four <laughs> shots today. How do you think you'll um, go? Or is it like we need to do fifty? Because there's like you know yeah. when you're shooting editorial, or do you do lookbook as well? Uh, yeah, I do. I do. I do it all. <laughs> so lookbook is like. 50 shots in a day or half a day that they're asking yeah. where the model's just standing there and literally you watch yeah. the model get in and out of clothes so quickly yeah. and it's as much as you can get in and it's you generally don't change the location. You set up and go, go, go. Yeah. And then editorial, you're telling a story through the yeah. images and then the advertising campaign, you've got more time, more people standing around is what I've found mm -hmm. <laughs> is the difference. Yeah. So which yeah. is your preference out of all of those? Uh, I like I'm really boring. I have no preference. I really enjoy all of them. Just love um, they're all, yeah, I love shooting, and they're all really different. So they all come with different elements that are fun. So like I mentioned, the editorial stuff is really fun because it's where I probably get to be the most creative and and let my imagination run wild. The campaigns are, are 
bigger deals to sort of professionally and that there's more investment in the brand's point of view and, and it's what the brand needs to sell the clothes throughout the next season so there's more pressure but that kind of brings oops, sorry knock my mic um that kind of brings with it a bit more prestige almost for me I don't know yeah. it's, it's always I'm always very humbled when I get asked to shoot these kinds of campaigns because I, I'm aware that they're putting a lot of trust in me yeah. and um that feels amazing. So I, I love doing those. And then equally the lookbooks. The lookbooks are probably the harder ones mentally and physically because you are just standing there all day and it's hard on the models. But we, again, it, it all comes down to having a really strong team. Like if we all get along, we like bump each other up and, and keep the, the energy going. And it's all about playing fun music and laughing a lot. And, and that really does help get through those long days because it is a lot of shooting. Yeah. And like you said... People, brands these days are wanting to get as much as they can shot in a small amount of time possible. So I've definitely had to maybe have conversations with people and just say like, okay, well that, that's, a, that's a little bit over ambitious. Like we're not going to get 150 outfits shot in a day. <laughs> <laughs> God, that's a lot. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. How important is in fashion photography having a good model or are you able to get the shot regardless of who you've got? but you just have to work harder with certain people. Having professional models who have a lot of experience makes the whole thing go a million times smoother. And if if speed is what a brand is after, having someone who's got a lot of experience and who's feel confident and who knows what they're doing is definitely going to elevate the imagery. I do try and make a big push when I'm working with brands to get them to book professional models that being said I've done a lot of work with just you know the girl next door kind of girls who haven't got a lot of experience and who are just really beautiful and and look great on camera and want to give it a go so I I do a mix of both but the further I get along in my career the more I'm making a stand to be like no okay if you want to do this well you need to hire someone who's top top caliber because otherwise it won't it won't work as well and and that top caliber is a how what they bring to the shoot so they it's just yeah. like they know their angles and yeah. they'll just be able to bring that they've got like you know 50 different looks that they can pull out very yeah. quickly but yeah. how much um are you are you tweaking that or are you just allowing them to just go for it how much uh, are you hands on with the photo shoot do you direct a lot um i i think it's a sort of a weird dance between me and the model so i'll I'll sort of watch how they go to start with, especially at the start of the day. It's almost like you have to warm up and see how they move and what Mm. they do. And then from there, it'll be either a case of I can just tell them to do more of something that I've seen that I like, or I'll ask them to hold something for a little bit longer. Mm. If I'm like, okay, no, that's really working. That's really good. Let's hold that for just like a couple more shots. If not, I, I do direct a lot if I need to, but with the professional girls and guys, most of the time they can just keep moving a lot more and then it'll just be like, okay, maybe let's sit down now and I'll just tell them to sit down or why don't we go over to this spot and I'll ask them to lean against that wall or something so it, it's it's quite fluid but if a girl's got no experience then yeah it's it's very much like okay now lift your hand here and let's sort of play with that or telling them exactly what to do because some of them just don't know what to do at all <laughs> no <laughs> you're pulling your hair out um so just take me back to the the, the first uh professional fashion shoot that you did how did you get to that point what were you doing before to get in front of the client to actually be booked for that first shoot and what would you recommend 
new photographers who are, are keen to 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 build up their profile as a fashion photographer to get that first leg in. And I know we're going to talk about pitching, but so, mm-hmm. but um, what was what was the lead up for you? Like you did your uh, university degree. Obviously, you yeah. would have developed a, a great folio at uni. Yeah. Uh, just as a side question, how different was it working at university where you've got all the time in the world to create those mm-hmm. images compared to the real world where it's it's you've got the pressure of the client wanting certain having certain expectations? What was the difference? What did you notice at that point? It's funny because I I took a break after uni for about two years between shooting and then starting again so I took two years off and there was a definite difference between when I was at university and when I started shooting professionally less with the clients I'd say like that because I I think at uni we felt the pressure of our uh, lecturers Mm. sort of hanging over so it's a similar feeling of like okay the lecturers want us to do something and then the clients want us to do something so I can compare that to being quite similar the difference was that when I was at university there was these weird barriers to what we felt like we had to shoot and what I when I left I didn't feel like I had to stick to those rules um when I was doing my degree a lot of the work that I was seeing from my lecturers was quite edgy and quite um yeah edgy is probably the best word I can use whereas my style is much more soft and romantic so in a weird way I almost felt like the work I was shooting the work I was drawn to shooting was wrong Right. Um, and when I left uni and I took that two years off and then when I came back to it and realized that I didn't have anyone telling me what I could and couldn't shoot, mm. that was super liberating. And that is essentially what's got me where I am now, because I, by shooting what I wanted to shoot, I had more passion and more drive. And, and that was what attracted the clients that I actually currently have. Of course. And did you feel like you got the support at uni when you were trying to 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 continually sort of gravitating towards the style that you loved um, as opposed to like doing this edgy out there style that the the, the lecturers were, were, were uh, using? Yeah. How, how, I got, that? how I, did you navigate that? I, I didn't very well. Mm. Like I was young and very impressionable and that's obviously why I took two years out. I basically burnt out completely and, yeah. and lost kind of the passion for it but my my friends from the course we were all incredible and incredibly supportive of each and every one of us we were really lucky to have a small group of of students in the class um but we were all really good friends so that was really nice but yeah definitely didn't have the best experience in terms of inspiration when I was at uni Right, you need that. You need that person behind you that's that, that's uh, encouraging you to shoot in your yeah. own style as well. And it's so important. It's like, what's the point of just being mm-hmm. a clone of of the yeah. mentor? You know, I don't think that's a good mentor. Then, uh, no. they're just making you saying, "Well, this is it," and there's uh, there's nothing better. So, you've been going for five years, and and how's it going? Are, are you are you is that your do you have a side hustle as well? Is there a, something to back you up? Because I, I, I had a, I had a night job. I think for, um, I'm going to say the first uh, three or four years at least, uh, mm-hmm. working in, in a restaurant to to um, support me while I was growing the business. How, yeah. How's it going for you? So when I left uni, as I said, I, I stopped shooting completely, kind of. I, I, I got myself a job at a fashion, um, clo- a children's fashion clothing company locally to here. So I was actually a f- their photography coordinator for about a year's time. Fantastic. Um, and during that time, I actually ran a, a magazine 
<laughs> I used to run a fashion magazine called Atlas Magazine. Um, so I did that full time for one year after I finished my degree. Um, so I basically went to, did my, finish my degree, got the job at the clothing company for children and was there for a year part time while running the magazine and then went full time for a year running the magazine. And in that year running the magazine, I burnt myself out completely mm. and, um, needed to and that's when the inspiration for photography came back funny enough I I hadn't shot anything personal I'd only worked as a photographer for this this company um for two years and one day I just I I stumbled on a photographer's work who I'd always loved and, and saw what she was shooting and just became overwhelmed with inspiration so that um really ignited a a passion for it again in me which was amazing because I'd been really scared for about two years when that that passion I'd had for photography had gone I thought that I was almost broken in a weird way so when it came back it was a real relief um but I obviously like as I mentioned I lived in Cornwall and I still do at the moment although I, I do go up to London a lot more now but at the time um I didn't really know how to get into photography down here. And there's a huge wedding photography scene here. Mm. Um, A lot of people come down to Cornwall to get married because it's such a beautiful area. So when I decided I wanted to get back into photography, the obvious route felt like going into weddings. Right. So I spent a year um, marketing myself as a wedding photographer. How did you market no. yourself? Did you shoot folio of weddings? Yeah, or? so I right. shot a lot of uh, styled shoots and I kind of, I had shot two weddings when I was really young and still at uni. Yeah. So I had a handful of images that I could use to promote myself and I just networked a lot and I booked my first six weddings that following summer <laughs> and I did that first one and I hated it. Yeah. What what did you hate about it? What was it? Um, I'm an introvert, so mm. I hate parties. So mm. I was like, what am I doing here? Um, and then I it was like I mentioned earlier, it's very documentative. Mm. Um, it's not very creative. And I just found that I enjoyed the first two or three hours where, you know, the real exciting stuff happens, the ceremony and, and then, you know, leaving the ceremony and, and anything to do with just the couple alone. Yeah. But the moment it got to the party, I just, I, that's where I lost it completely. And standing around for eight to 10 hours was just not right for me. So as soon as I left that first gig, I, I felt really down again. I was just like, well, what am I going to do? How on earth am I going to make this work? Because as far as I was aware, there was no way to make a career as a fashion photographer work from Cornwall right. because I'm five and a half hours from London here. So it's quite a long way. Um, and there's no, it didn't feel at the time that there was a massive industry. Yeah. So that's when the pitching came in. All right. So let's talk about the pitching. So this is, so you're You've left uni, you're, you've mm-hmm. done that two years, you did a year. So what were you doing with the children's photography, just studio stuff and shooting the fashion yeah, and like lookbook stuff, I, like kind of constant, yeah. thousands of shoots basically. So yeah, that would have... I was there photography coordinator so I organized everything I actually didn't shoot necessarily all the time we had someone who would come in and shoot as well but I organized all the photo shoots and we were working with children from six months to seven years old so it was quite full-on <laughs> that would have done a lot for your confidence though as a photographer yeah. right 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I learned all about, you know, how fashion brands work and how far in advance they shoot and and how, you know, the internal stuff works in brands with getting samples in and and having the right sizes. That that, that was stuff you don't learn at uni unless you're actually in it. Yeah. So 100% it was incredibly valuable for me to, to do that. So you're learning how to walk the walk and talk the talk. Yeah. And then the, like uh, the – you worked out what you didn't like and that's the wedding photography Mm -hmm. and I agree I'm also an introvert and I hated the parties and the Mm -hmm. thing I disliked most about wedding photography was the lack of control for me because I would want to be can we can we do that again just like I didn't like how you (laughs) kissed her then that was like that was lame what's with the peck get in there you know but you can't do that at a wedding and there's no do-overs which really stressed me out a lot Mm -hmm. so and but that's You need to do that because I found that out myself. I always thought I was going to be a fashion photographer, Olivia, and then Mm -hmm. I did it and I realised I I didn't enjoy it uh, for different reasons uh, and and I needed to do something different and I found my thing in portrait photography. So in finding out that you like the, the way that a wedding runs, you didn't enjoy that, what mm-hmm. did you decide, what did you do to get yourself into um, fashion photography in London? How did you pitch yourself? So it was it was a bit of an accident and that I didn't really know I was pitching myself. Mm. So essentially what happened is a couple of months earlier to this wedding that I'd gone and shot, I had somehow received an email address to someone who worked at a brand, which is well known in the UK um, and quite a big big deal over here and I, I had this email of one of the girls in the marketing team and on a complete whim maybe two weeks after that wedding I put together a mood board and um, I had an idea for a photo shoot I wanted to do just for myself and it occurred to me that instead of trying to scrounge around and find clothes from my friends or local boutiques why don't I email the brand that I love and wanted to work for and see if they wanted to lend me some clothes to shoot right. with. And they would, in exchange, be able to use the images for their social media um, and for their blog or whatever. So I didn't really have any expectations. I, I put together this quick mood board. I must have, it must have taken me 15 minutes, to be completely honest. And, sorry, and I sent Olivia, off... just for the mm-hmm. listeners who aren't sure, did you want to just describe what a mood board is? Of course, yeah. So a mood board is essentially like I, – I use Pinterest, but it's mm. a place where – um, you gather together a bunch of images that look similar or have the vibe and the feel of what you're going to try and achieve for the photographer for the through the photo shoot. It's just the easiest way to get across an idea. Instead of trying to explain it in words, you can show the client or the potential client what you're trying to achieve through it the photos. It, it's the best way because you could say to me, "Okay, so I'm thinking of doing this soft romantic." you yeah. know, but tones of blue. And I can be sitting here going, yeah, blue, all right. So it's the mm. a deep blue, you know, I could have a complete yeah. – and you could be thinking in terms of teals and softer. Yeah. So this way there's no confusion. Exactly. So I did that, put the, together the mood board, which showed exactly the kind of vibe I wanted, the kind of locations I wanted, the type of model I had sort of booked because I already had a girl in mind, and the kind of clothes that I wanted as well. And I sent that email off and – astonishingly I had back in about five minutes which doesn't always happen yeah um and that's just complete luck that the girl probably was at her desk checking her emails when my email came in and she had a look over it spoke to her supervisor and they got back to me and said yeah because for them there was no risk it was just send us some clothes if the photos are great we get to use them if we don't 
that's if like that's fine as well yeah so um that was kind of my first foray into pitching so obviously this was a free shoot that I was doing for myself but it was an accidental and it sort of hit me after I sent that email and they got back to me that if if that's all it took if that was all I had to do to get in touch with the brands that I wanted to work with why wasn't I doing more of it so um what I began to do was do a lot of research into brands that needed the kind of locations that I have, I have here mm. and shoot their stuff down here. Because the reality is that a lot of the brands that I like to work, uh, that I want to work with or wanted the, these locations are very far away. Yeah. And they often have to spend a lot of money getting photographers and teams down here. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I have an advantage in that I am already here and I'm skilled enough to be able to shoot for them the stuff they might need. I focused a lot at first on just social media content because right. I knew that, that was what a lot of brands needed and then they needed them fast. So um, I would pitch myself to a lot of sort of they're very lifestyle coastally brands, British brands that um, need the content of this sort of seaside areas or the, you know, the cliff faces, the beaches, and they would, they sent me down product and I shoot it down here for them. So they wouldn't even send an art director. They just let you go. So you were in complete control of the entire shoot. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It's great fun. (laughs) So I guess with each pitch, you got more confident, didn't you? Yeah. So I definitely learned over time. So I, um, I started pitching about two and a half years ago Mm. and I definitely made mistakes at first, you know, emails that were too long or sending them to the wrong person or um, attaching too many things or little things like not hyperlinking the links in my emails. And that's all stuff that I've learned over time to how to write a great pitch email because it's it's definitely an art form (laughs) and, um, so yeah. with the hyperlinks, you're actually including all the information in the email, but yeah. you don't want it to be too long because it's overwhelming and no one's going to read it? Yeah. And what about the um, subject line? Did you learn that things to say yeah. and not to say? So I, I'm quite opinionated in that I don't like misleading people. I find that a lot of, a lot of people, when, they, when you read articles online about uh, subject lines and emails – a lot of people advertise, you know, advocate the whole just tr- just get them to click it open. Yeah. But I, I've been on the receiving end of of emails like that where I feel almost duped into having yeah. opened an email, and I I hate that feeling of being like, oh well, I didn't I didn't want to open that email, but because it said meeting on Thursday, I'm like I feel like I have to. Yeah. So I'm I'm very straightforward, and I just say what my email is, which is basically. A uh, female photographer in Cornwall wanting to work with you, or something like that. that I have, that I do basic. have a blog post. Yeah, yeah. I have a blog post on my website, which is just about subject lines because it's yep. something that people go into a lot. So there is there is a whole blog post on that if people want to read that. <laughs> All right. So back in the day when I was starting out, and this is thirty years ago, uh, there was something called the yellow pages where businesses advertise it was paper Olivia and you flip through and the way and the first week that I was I'd uh, found myself a studio I was paying rent and I didn't have any clients and the photographer that I was sharing with said well why don't you try cold calling I'm like what's that because I expected that I would uh, find a studio have a folio sit in the studio and the phone would ring automatically. People would just know that I was there and come to me. 
but it's not yeah. the case. You need to go no. out to the clients. And so this photographer had said to me, you need to cold call. And he said, find the niche that you want to shoot for. And he, he recommended I start maybe, he said, why don't you try PR agencies first? Mm-hmm. And he said, start at A and work your way to Z. And he said, it'll probably be uh, you'll have a strike rate of maybe one in 30 or one in 50 push through mm-hmm. and it'll be worth it. And I'm like, okay. So I did this thing where I would call people and at first I'm like, hi, my name's Jan. No, no, you're Jan. I'm Gina. Hi. Mm-hmm. Ah, and hang yeah. up. And it was just excruciating. But the more I did it, I'd learn to stand up and speak. I'd have a prepared script that I could ad lib a little bit and I got more and mm-hmm. more confident. Um, and it worked. But I did have a high no rate or there was a high uh, yeah, maybe, but not today. Can you call me back next week? And so I made sure that I had this whole system where I followed up on calls and I honestly yeah. only had to do that for the first few years and then the work started mm-hmm. coming to me. What was yeah. your um, system using this email? So at any point are you picking up the phone to try and speak to people or do people are just afraid of the phone these days? <laughs> I I am one of those people who are so afraid of the phone. So I don't initially, I don't, speak to anyone on the phone mm. I f- I find everyone's emails and then I email them and then if they get back to me or if they don't I'll potentially arrange a phone call with them but I will never try and call someone without you know as a surprise um just doesn't sit right with me and I don't like the feeling of doing that so everything I've taught myself how to do and everything I teach people how to do is is just all email um yeah fair enough all right so let's say I love Nutella um, mm-hmm. and I, I want to pitch to them to, for their next campaign. And yeah. uh, how do I find out who to, who to contact at Nutella? Do I just go info at Nutella.com? That's not going to work. Do I go no. accounts, marketing at? How do you do that? So I, I've become a bit of a detective. Mm. <laughs> um, LinkedIn is the best place to go and look for people who work within companies that you want to work for. So you can actually go on a brand's LinkedIn. They, most big brands these days and even quite small companies also have got LinkedIn profile pages, like, like a Facebook page. And if you go on their LinkedIn profile, profile pages of the brands you can see who is employed by the brand so you can actually click on the right hand side of LinkedIn pages there are um, this many people working at this brand and you can click that and literally see a list of everyone who's working for that company and I tend to look for someone who's either in the marketing team or in the social media team or something like that and I'll sort of, I'll either save their name. I have a spreadsheet that I, I keep a track of everyone on. Yeah. Um, and I'll write down their name and what their job position is. There's also a plugin that you can um, add to your Chrome browser, which is called Lead Leaper. I think, let me just double check what it's called. Um, yeah, Lead Leaper. Yep. Um, so it's, uh, and you, it doesn't always work, but if you go on someone's LinkedIn profile and click the little frog, which is what the icon is, it does come up with um, sometimes their email addresses of their, uh, at the company. So I've had sort of, sort of good experiences and bad experiences with that, but that does work. The other way to work out someone's email address is super simple and that most of the time, 
So let's say I want to work for a brand like like Nutella, like yeah. you mentioned. The, the end of the email address will always be the same for everyone working yeah. at the company. So if you go on the Nutella website and if you don't know what their email address is, uh, even the, the, the basic sort of general one, you can go to the privacy policy of every website. Legally, they have to have them on there. So you can scroll all the way down to the privacy policy and they will always have an email address and a, and a um, and postal address as well. So if you take the end of that email address and you already know, you know half the work is there, that's, that's the end of the email address you'll always need. The next thing is to look at the person's name. So there's different combinations and sometimes it is just a matter of trial and error with this, but you can put the first name dot last name at nutella.com or even just the first name of the person at nutella.com or like sometimes it's the first initial and then last name and then at nutella.com. So just trying different things. You'll be surprised how quickly you actually get through. And the way you know you've got through is if you don't get one of those um, bounce bounce back. back. Yeah. Yeah, that's so clever. So that's how I've worked out most of the emails of the people I pitch to and it really sounds it sounds obvious when you say it but I don't think that many people think that that will work but it really does so if that you know if if the one of those plugins isn't working that's a really good way of finding people's email addresses um the other thing is uh Twitter is a really good way of looking up people's emails so you can go on Twitter and on the brand's um page and I'll often send brands a message on Twitter or like a little tweet saying, hey, I'm looking to get in touch with someone on the marketing team. Mm-hmm. Who can I email? And they'll often say, um, send us a DM. So they'll you'll send them a DM. They'll, they'll have to add you on Twitter to do that. Yeah. And they'll often do it just really quickly um, so that they can speak to you. And then they'll often ask you why you want to speak to someone on the marketing team. Right. And I just say like, oh, I, I'm looking to talk to someone about photography. I've got a photo shoot I'm planning or something. And, and often the person who's behind the, the Twitter account doesn't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing or if that's not right so they will just hand over the email address because you're not doing anything wrong you're just asking for information so um that's another really easy way of of getting something in the door um and and otherwise you'd be surprised especially with smaller brands how if you just go on their websites often they'll have a press and media section of the website that's a really good place to email as well if you're not getting through um, and it, if all else fails, you can just try the marketing at email. But um, I do recommend trying to speak to someone whose name you know. It's yeah. always more effective if you know the person you're emailing, if you can try and use their first name, um, rather than just sending a blanket email out to someone who you don't really know who they are, because it's going to be much harder to tap into their you know, their feelings and, and speak to them personally. That's great advice. You could yes, even stalk huh? ex-boyfriends that way and all sorts of things. You could. So it's very handy <laughs> on many <laughs> levels. So, all right, once you've uh, found the person that you want to speak to, the correct person, do you mm-hmm. then uh, research them so that you know a little bit about them so that there is banter or do you just go straight into the, the hey, this is me, this is what I want to do, email? Um. It does. It depends. So if they're very public, then I might see if they've got an Instagram account and just double check to see if there's anything really obvious that I can mention mm. that it would be obviously public. But if they're quite private and let's let's be realistic, a lot of people who work at brands aren't necessarily that public with their lives. I don't try and pry into things too much. I keep it quite business and point of fact and mm. and, you know, be pleasant and be 
polite and, and personable, but not go digging around in their private Facebook page to to find like a little thing that I know will catch their eye because that feels a little bit a it's little a bit, bit creepy, too, right? Or, yeah, it's a little yeah. bit too far. So I don't do that unless they're obviously very public. You know, sometimes they do. They have their own blogs or they, they have their Instagram accounts that they're running really nicely and they, they obviously put a lot of effort into. So if that's the case, then I, I might mention, oh, I, you know, I went and saw your Instagram account and I loved this shot or it was what was this trip like or something like that. But most of the time, I'd say 80% of the time, it's very much more about this is what I can do for you um, you know, what do you need kind of stuff. And how much of the business that you're wanting to pitch to are you researching? Are you, 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 you're obviously not just doing, you sound um, like you do all, do all the work beforehand. You're not just going to yeah. do this blanket pitch no. where it's you're copying and pasting the same, because I hate that. I hate receiving those emails yeah. where they don't even change the font. Uh, yeah, no, no. And your it's, name is in, and it's in a different color. And I'm like, come yeah. on, guys, that's just, no, that's just such basic. bad email you, practice. That, and, you know, it's just like <laughs> ignore. It's like if you can't even, and yeah. then, and then there's the ones, um, that, and we'll get onto this, but it's like they've obviously got the uh, seven follow-up emails after I've ignored the first three mm, no, that they keep no, going, no. but it's still done in the same way. They might spell your name wrong or yeah. like it's obviously just uh, this formula that they use. So how much are you uh, researching the brand and personalizing that email and what are you saying it- in that email? So it's very, very researched. So every brand I pitch to is because I know exactly what they need or I've spent a lot of time studying their social media profiles or their websites. I might have even gone and found research on who shot their previous campaigns, right. where they shot their previous campaigns. You know, it's it's spending time for sure. It's never just discovering a brand or thinking, okay, I'm going to email this guy today. Like it's definitely, you have to spend a lot of time looking into what they need because that's how you're going to get forward there. Like if you don't know what the brand needs and how they work or what they might need visually you're never going to get you're never going to have a successful pitch yeah so research is incredibly important and when it comes to sending the email yes it does need to be personalized I have a base email that I use so it's kind of like the essentials are in there so that I don't forget anything because if you're retyping the same thing over and over it's easy to sort of randomly forget that you know you've you've not included your website for example yeah so I have something that I use as a base, yep. but every single time I pitch someone new, it is edited and it is sort of tailored to that brand. Maybe it's a specific idea I've had that is specific to that brand, or maybe it's the fact that I loved their SS19 campaign and I want to mention that I love the work of the photographer who shot for it, or you know, it could be anything, but it's definitely tailored to the person each time. Fantastic. Okay. So... When it comes to the strike rate, and it's obviously going to vary, and it comes down to a lot of things. It comes down to whether the person was at their desk when you sent exactly. the email or what they're working on. They might be you know, snowed under and have 500 other emails and mm-hmm. they just don't see it. So yeah. um, how are you following up uh, if you don't get a, a response? Uh, what yeah. are you doing? So funny enough, Every single time that I've got through with the brand and the the pitch has led to work, it has only happened because I followed up. Really? It's never, That's yeah, so it's never come from the first email. So 
that first email, they'll often see it like you mentioned. People will see it. They might forget to reply. They might put it aside and you know plan to reply later. Whatever it is, it doesn't always work. So this definitely is so important that you follow up. So what tends to happen is I will, I have a spreadsheet, like I mentioned, I'll send my first email out with all the core information in it. And then a week later, if I don't hear back from that first email, I will then follow up. So I leave it a week between my follow-ups yeah. to make sure that they've had enough time to see my email. And like, like I mentioned, sometimes it's just because they, they haven't had time to hear, to get back to me and I'll follow up with something really quick it's really important that you attach your first email to the follow-up email. Right. I never assume that they've seen it yep. or that they've remembered me because like we just said, people get a lot of emails. So always attach that first one. And often if they're going to work with me, if they want, if they're interested in me, they will reply to that first follow-up and say, Oh yeah, I saw your first email. It sounds great. I'm really sorry. I didn't get back to you, whatever. Um, or they'll just be like, Oh cool. This, I missed this, but I'm seeing it now and it looks great. Um, so that often works. If I don't hear back from the second, the first follow-up email, I'll send another one a week later. Yeah. And if that one still doesn't get a reply, that's when I leave it, but I only leave it for six months. Uh Aha. And then you come back again. Yeah. Interesting. And so I, I'm just imagining that you're not going to be using any passive aggressive text because I've, 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 no. I've, I've, I've received ones where they'll just say, you know, so obviously you're busy and like oh, all this no, stuff where it's no. like, no, don't guilt me now because that doesn't work yeah. either. So you obviously no. you're keeping, keeping it uh, uh, light it's and very friendly professional. and professional yeah. and assuming that everybody is busy. Uh, yeah. Did you have this uh, mindset at the start or were you, um, when you first like were rejected, is there things that go through your mind that, that say they, they didn't get back to my email, that means they, they've looked at my website and they hate my work mm-hmm. and I'm going to die alone in a ditch. Does your <laughs> mind go down, did it ever go down no, that, that road? I'm, I'm quite... Yeah, I'm quite fortunate in that I've never I've never somehow found myself going that far. I think what's helped is that I ran a magazine for five years, yeah. so, which was submission-based. So I used to get a lot of emails from photographers sending me their work. And it was never personal if, if the work wasn't right for us or it might be great, but it wasn't right for us. So I think that mindset and having done all that work has really helped me when I pitch because I'm very aware that just because they don't want to work with me or my work isn't right for them doesn't mean that I'm not good. Yeah. Um, and that's really helped um, in the rejection kind of side of things. I think it's just really important to know that we're all learning all the time. And just because you're not right for them at this one time might not mean that you're not right for them six months down the line. And that's why I always follow up six months later if I want to still work with that brand, because they might not remember me. They might have missed all those first emails my portfolio then might be completely different to what it is now. Um, So it's all that kind of stuff is remembering that we're growing, the brands are growing, the brands are changing employees, the person who's now at that role might be completely different in mindset to what the person before that was. So it's it's remembering all these things and, and reminding ourselves that we can progress and that just because you're right for them at that one, not right for them at that one time, doesn't mean that you won't be right for them in the future. All right, so what advice have you got to someone who might be listening to this and thinking, that sounds amazing, but I don't even have the, I, I just can't deal with the the rejection at all. Mm-hmm. I just like, what, what can you say to someone who's thinking of uh, doing their first pitch? 
I think give it a go. Um, you know, find some a brand that you really love. Spend the time doing the research so that you really know what it is that you want. And if for some reason you send that pitch and it doesn't get a good response, or if they get back to you and they say thank you but no thank you, I I encourage you to ask for feedback. So the thing that I do is I will say, okay, I'm going to try and find out why I'm not right for them. And 99% of the time, it will not be because you suck. It will just be because, <laughs> oh, um, we prefer to work with photographers based here or we work with photographers who use this kind of light or we th- there'll be a reason. Yeah. And looking for that feedback and using that as a place to grow. So rather than looking at it as negative, look at it as a positive mm. and think, okay, well, how can I use what I've been told to harness that into my work and then go back to them in the future and say, I took your feedback on. This is what I'm gonna, I've am going. i done to sort of progress and learn from what you said. Hopefully we can now work together. Fantastic. That's all such great advice. Now, you've actually got uh, quite a few. Like you've got your your website and Instagram, and I'll put those links mm-hmm. in the show notes, Twitter, but you've also got uh, a YouTube channel and You've you've got a uh, an online course, haven't yeah. you, on pitching with confidence? Uh, do yeah. you want to tell us about that? Sure. So I before I jump into the main course, I do have a free email course that if anyone wants to start learning like right now and they feel like they want to sort of give it a go with pitching, I have a five part free email course that people can sign up for on my website, which is kind of the the basics of getting started with pitching, and it does cover every step. And that should get you going. I've also got a free email pitching template on my website as well. So if people want to see my sort of the basis of what I base all my emails off of, they can go and download that, which will hopefully be really helpful. But um, what I found was at the end of last year, I was getting asked about the pitching stuff all the time because people were seeing that I was working with all these big brands around the country that I was sort of dreaming of working with. And they were saying, how are you doing this, especially from Cornwall? Like, how are you getting all this work? So I started telling people about pitching. And then it it occurred to me that there was just too much to teach in a DM. Like, I just couldn't send enough DMs to to tell people what to do. So um, I put together a course. And yeah, it's a four week long course, all about pitching to brands as a photographer. It's not necessarily just for fashion photographers. You could be a, um, a an event photographer or a lifestyle photographer. It's anything commercial, though. Yeah. So it's not, not for weddings or for families. It's very much for people wanting to work with other businesses. And I, I walk people through literally from start to finish. It's very step by step. There's a lot of handholding and showing you exactly what to do. There's a lot of um, example emails from both myself and past students as well. So you can actually see them in action and all the emails I've included have been successful. So that means that people have had replies and work from those emails. So I think that's really helpful. Mm. And um, there's a Facebook group as well. So if if anyone has any direct questions, they can come in and ask me. Um, But yeah, we start on the 20th of May. So it's really exciting. Fantastic. It sounds um it sounds so good and I love how that you've like rather than go to the work, you bring the work to you. And I think there are a lot of people like uh I've got photographers in my goal community that live in like far regional areas and, and mm-hmm. they're away from cities, but th- but these these locations 
are beautiful. Yeah. And so, you know, there, there are a lot of people that could, could do the same and it means that you could, 100%. You could live where you want to live and actually yeah. also uh, support yourself. So that all yeah. sounds amazing. Thanks so much, Olivia. That's, uh, I've, uh, I've learned a heap today. I really appreciate no, you're your welcome. time. And I wish you uh, great success and I hope uh, to get to your part of the world uh, one day and if I do, I'll look you up for sure. Definitely do. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. All right, there you go. Some cool tips there. Now, Gina, what are you up to until I see you, which is probably in a few days' time, really? Uh, well, I'll be overseas What as this uh, recording yes, goes to right. air. So I'll be uh, in Sicily uh, at that time. So that's what Fantastic. I'll be up to doing the Sicilian photography workshop. Cool. Yeah. What about you, Val? What am I going to be doing? By the time this episode airs, I will be getting ready to uh, be part of the official program of Vivid because on the 8th of June, um, it's probably not quite for photographers, but if you happen to be a photographer and a writer, like I do know some of our listeners are um, because they package up their photography and their writing, then um, come along to So You Want to Be a Writer the live event on the top floor of the Museum of Contemporary Art in Sydney, 11am on the 8th of June. And um, uh, just Google So You Want to Be a Writer and Vivid, which is obviously one of the coolest events Mm. in Sydney, Um, some great art installations and light shows and music and ideas in Sydney um, during that period. But, yeah, we're going to have a live event and that is where I'll be launching my book because – Uh, the co-host of my other podcast, So You Want to Be a Writer, Alison and I have written a book called So You Want to Be a Writer. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's such an original title, Val. How long did it take you to think of that? Was that like a lot of brainstorming? I can just imagine everyone at Team Valerie sitting around the boardroom going, okay, anyone got any ideas? Big whiteboard, a whole list, and you came up with that. That's that's brilliant, brilliant. I know, Mm. I know. So it's... Yeah, So You Want to Be a Writer, the book, which is the spin-off from So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast, you got the which movie? is going to be launched at, not quite yet, but mm. it's going to be launched at So You Want to Be a Writer, the live event, <laughs> which will be filmed, so maybe there will be a movie, who knows. Wow. But I digress. This is actually So You Want to Be a Photographer. If you're one of our listeners and you want to join the listener community, make sure you go to Facebook and search for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and request to join. It's free to join. We'd love to have you in there. Now, Gina, where do we find you online? So I'm at ginamilitia.com. So that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. And if you haven't subscribed to my newsletter yet, uh, check it out. There's a link there. I've created a, as well as the shot, which is a uh, a portrait uh, e-book that I've created free to anyone who joins uh, the newsletter with, I think I've got uh, four different setups there that you can work through and uh, all the lighting and po- uh, post-production that I do in four of my character lighting styles. There's also a new uh, uh, Lightroom preset pack called the Travel Pack and I think 
There's seven different presets that you get in that travel pack. That's also free. And these are the presets that I use on many of my travel shots. So seven completely different styles that yeah. one click presets that you can use uh, on your images. I keep forgetting to tell you guys about that. So go and check that out. That's at sign, sign up to the newsletter and they will come as a separate download. Uh, as a gift. Yes, and uh, social media, I'm at, at Gina Militia, so G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. So uh, Twitter and Instagram is where I'm most active. And if you want to take your photography to the next level, then I'd love the opportunity to work with you in the goal community. And to check that out, just go to GinaMilitia.com and click on Join the Community. What about you, Val? What will I be up to? I think you've told us that. I think you've told us what you'll be up to, but like, where do we find you? You find me. I'm clearly like losing my mind. (laughs) I've got so many things in it. Uh, You'll find me at Valerie Koo. That's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.